Hello, and welcome to the Theological Family Ministry Podcast, a podcast for parents as well as children and youth ministry leaders. We are dedicated to showing how theological study and biblical application relate to the discipleship of children and youth. As always, we're hosted by Pastor Ben Palaz, the pastor of Family and Children's Discipleship at Curtis Baptist Church in Augusta, Georgia, and Tony Trussoni, the family and student pastor at Faith Family Church in Finksburg, Maryland. Hey, Ben, how you doing today? Uh, doing okay. I'm uh, enjoying the, the heat down here, enjoying the start. Well, I haven't really enjoyed much of the start of baseball. I don't watch it. I just sort of find out what happens. But how about you? Yeah, doing pretty well. I, I, You know, it's funny. Every single year I commit to watching more baseball, and they don't actually do it. So I did watch most of the uh, opening game, that Nationals game, uh, against Yankees. It was a pretty boring game, though. So Okay, so did the Orioles, were they able to field a team this year? Yeah, so uh, that I, I have to see what they did. I actually don't think they played yesterday, but they're at 50%, which is a statement, you know. I, I'm surprised they are able to even win a single game. Uh, being an Orioles fan around here, I mean, that's been one of the greatest benefits of COVID this year that, uh, you know, no one would have ever thought that you would hit late July and the Orioles would have been tied for first place in their division. (laughs) Yeah, it has reduced your suffering, at least in that way. It has. So I can promise you that we will lose no more than 59 games this year, which that is a statement for Orioles fans, right? That's a good season. Yeah, very good season. <laughs> for them, <laughs> for sure. Uh, the, uh, but yeah, so I'm glad that you've been enjoying some baseball, and I hope that life has not been too busy for you this summer. No, no. it's A lot of options are taken away, so... Yeah. So anyway, you know, I think it's been one thing that's been interesting that to me this summer, especially uh, with things being very different when we're normally very busy in the summers with a lot of ministry things is I think that it's allowed us to have some very serious conversations with our own children, as well as I think even of members of the body. Uh, and, you know, and some of these have been even conversations I did not anticipate having. Uh, but, uh, and actually, to that relates to what we're going to be talking about today. Today, we're going to be talking about having a conversation that, that sometimes we avoid with our kiddos, uh, with young kids, and even with teenagers. Uh, and we're really blessed to be joined today uh, by John Parrott of Reformed Youth Ministries. So, John, I want to thank you for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Ben, Anthony, it's good to see you guys and connect, and I'm, I'm looking forward to having a conversation with y'all. Absolutely. So, wonderful. Well, uh, John, can you tell us about your ministry and about the podcast that you do? Yes, absolutely. Uh, So, Reformed Youth Ministries, I serve as their Director of Resources. Uh, Very long story short, uh, RYM started in 1972, and so it's coming up on 50 years of ministry, three Youth workers were kind of tired of the fun and games youth ministry uh, conferences that were out there. They wanted a youth conference that focused on the preaching of the word. And so they started this conference way back in 1972. And so fast forwarding to today, uh, they've grown to six youth conferences. There's also a youth leader training conference, two of those that uh, are put on. And Anthony, that's where our paths crossed at the one in Paradise, Pennsylvania. And then we have uh, resources that we develop as well. And so I oversee the the production of uh, some podcasts as well as Bible study material. And um, that's just kind of a little bit about 
uh, what the the ministry uh, does, what we seek to do. Those kind of three main areas of the the ministry are conferences, training, and resources. Um, as you mentioned, the podcast I assist, uh, I co-host a parenting podcast entitled Parenting Today. Uh, we've been a, on a little bit of a break because of COVID. Things have just kind of, I think we can kind of blame everything on, on COVID at, <laughs> at this point, but we've we have taken a little bit of a break from that. Um, but uh, the local youth work podcast is a podcast that I host and um, we talk to local youth workers in the church we talk to seminary professors authors of books that relate to to student ministry and um, I think we just finished episode 304 I believe so it's been going a little bit of a while and I never ever wanted to host a podcast never thought about hosting a podcast it's just kind of something that we stumbled into in ministry um, so that's just again in a nutshell a little bit about RYM and uh, some of the resources that we put together Praise the Lord. that's great yeah I wasn't really doing the podcasting Tony drugged me into this but uh, <laughs> it's been, it's been a good way for us to stay connected because uh, sure. as we were talking about before uh, we started recording um, we saw each other quite a bit during seminary, working together, living close together, um, having to cut the same grass and all that kind of stuff. But um, <laughs> it has been good to sharpen each other. Absolutely. So, John, uh, you're an author. Um, and how, how did the, the book that you wrote, Not If, But When, come about? Yeah, so um, I had served in student ministry uh, at two different churches. Um, so coming up on 20 years that I've been in kind of the, the student ministry circles. And, you know, sadly, after serving in student ministry for just a little while, um, I think I had, you know, the first parent knock on the door and come into my office and in tears share that, you know, they had uh, caught their son on a smartphone looking at pornography and, um, you know, sadly, that wasn't an isolated incident. It seemed like those just increased all the more. More and more parents were kind of coming to my office sharing, uh, you know, a similar story. And so just after a while of, of just seeing the devastating effects of pornography and the impact that it was having on not only the students um, in the youth ministry, but also uh, the parents, um, you know, just had a passion to to kind of raise awareness about this. And sometimes it was just handing articles to parents to read or putting resources in parents' hands. And then as my, I'm a father of five and as my children began to, to grow older, um, I saw the need to kind of have this conversation at, at younger ages to begin uh, preparing our children uh, for uh, some of these images that they would inevitably see. And, and honestly, um, I can remember Russell Moore uh, giving a talk somewhere and him kind of encouraging parents to have these talks at younger ages. And so um, I was reading a book with my oldest child, who's now 13 um, at the time, um, might have been nine or so. Um, uh, Good Pictures, Bad Pictures uh, is the name of, of a book. And it's a very helpful book. It's it's a, a great book. I would recommend to parents. Um, but it's not, it doesn't deal with the issue from a biblical perspective. And so I found myself as I was reading this to my daughter, I would just kind of uh, add some biblical worldview into this uh, resource that I was utilizing. And then I realized, you know what, there's nothing out there that that's really 
uh, written on this topic to, to put in the hands of, of parents, uh, youth workers to, to utilize. And so uh, that's really kind of the origins of serving in a local church and seeing the kind of frontline devastating effects of this, but then also as a parent, seeing the need for this. And so really kind of those two things coming together uh, led to, to putting this resource together. You know, you mentioned um, the youth leadership training, and I'll tell you, I was so blessed uh, to go and to meet you there uh, this year before, right before COVID kind of went uh, national. Yeah, it was kind of all coming together, right? I remember flying home and and just hearing so much going on. I was thinking, I hope we're not going to (laughs) get stuck in Pennsylvania, you know? Oh, yeah, totally. So uh, so it was wonderful to meet, and I do want to highly recommend uh, youth leadership training uh, to anybody interested. You know, I was, I have to say, I was as impressed, if not more so impressed, uh, with uh, YLT than I've been with any conference I've gone to. So I was very, a very good program you guys run out there. Well, thanks for saying that. And I feel like I can promote it a lot because I don't have anything to do with it because <laughs> that's more Michael Hall, my coworker. It's, it's his area. But I went there before I was on staff and it was always kind of a, a week I would be sure to, to block out of my calendar that the Lord use it in, in mighty ways. So yeah, just kind of echo your, your encouragement there. Yeah. God's good. So, well, what does the Bible say about pornography or what you call worldly images? Yeah. Um, you know, as we, we think about pornography, um, many of us know that that does come from a Greek word, porneia, um, oftentimes referring to fornication. Um, as I've heard, uh, another pastor say one time, it's kind of a junk drawer in a sense of just sexual sin, that there can be a lot of things that just fall under that category um, when, when the scriptures talk about pornea. And really, I mean, that just shows the Lord's wisdom, knowing that we, you know, elsewhere in scripture are inventors of evil. We will think of different ways to pervert God's good gifts. Um, and so really to, to understand pornography, I feel like, um, you know, you have to start with with the good gift. When we think of God's gift of sex, um, you know, Genesis 1, right out from the outset, we see God talking about sex when he uh, gives uh, in Genesis 1, 26 through, through 28, when he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. There's a lot that God's saying there. He's not solely talking about sex, but that is an aspect of uh, that uh, that creation mandate that he gives Adam and, and Eve. And we need to see that that's pre-fall, that that's before sin has entered creation. Um, and so God has created this good thing called sex and pornography. What it does is it takes elements of that good gift that God has created and it distorts that. Um, and so as we talk about pornography, as we talk about worldly images, I feel like we, we always have to start with with the good to understand the the perversion of it. So that was a little bit of a rambly way of answering that, but hopefully that got around to, to your question. Yeah, that's, that is helpful. Uh, and I mean, there's a long history of talking about taking the good and it being corrupted um, and how often we do that with, with God's gifts. Absolutely. So how is pornography more than just a moral issue? How is it also a theological issue? Mm. Yeah, good question. I mean, I think it's so important for us to see 
that ultimately, in a sense, like everything is a, a theological issue. Um, that you know, even going back to that that Genesis one uh, creation mandate, we can see that that we are relational creatures. When 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 God says, "Let us make man in our image," and uh, we we see that we are created in the image of this triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so we're always in relationship. And so there's a sense in which we're always relating to God. And so when, when, when we uh, sin in our anger, there's a sense in which, okay, we might've sinned against a brother or sister in Christ, but we've also sinned against this, this God. And so everything we do is, is a theological issue. And so as we, we think about pornography, um, being what one of those many issues. I mean, we see specifically again, um, this gift of God, uh, called sex that, that, uh, this good thing that he created, uh, we are now taking this and we are distorting it and, and using it for our own uh, selfish gain. And so it's a, a deeply theological issue because it is this, this good gift God has, has created. And now we're, we're using it uh, for our own means. You know, one of the things that stuck out to me so much in your book uh, and I thought was really important is that you consistently see sex, sex as a gift and you don't present it as I think so many times with these kind of things it can be kind of a slap the hand when you grab at the cookie from the cookie jar type of thing. Uh, and uh, but, and rather than kind of the, the sometimes it's called the puritanical view of sex of, you know, uh, staying away from it, even though the Puritans were big fans of right biblical intimacy. Uh, but why sure. is seeing sex as a gift in the way that you show it in your book important to understanding the problem of porn? Yeah, I think so often um, we just have this, you know, distorted view of of God and His goodness that we can often, and especially from the world's perspective, but even in in the church, we can just see this uh, deity who's saying no to everything, <laughs> who's just kind of arms crossed, angry face, looking down on us. Um, and, and part of why I wanted to start with sex being a good gift is, is I want us to have a right view of God um, to start and think about there is this good creator um, who, you know, created this amazing gift that has many purposes. Um, one of those purposes is actually pleasure. And to think about this God is not withholding things. He's not this killjoy that he loves to give good gifts to his children. And, and so, you know, I, I want to, to start there first to, to help our children um, understand God's good character. Um, but to also, you know, as I, again, serving in student ministry, seeing where a lot of these conversations can go and, and um, seeing, even thinking in, in my own upbringing, and I had two great Christian parents, but sex was always this bad thing mm. growing up and that when you do get married, it's hard to just flip that switch all of a sudden to, to be told your entire life, it's bad, it's bad, it's bad. And then all of a sudden you're married, it's good. And, and so to, to teach our children, look, this is a good thing. And when we need to know God's the one who created it, he's the one who thought this thing up. And now the world has tried to hijack it and has perverted it and they've distorted this good thing. And so, I think one, just again, to, to have a proper view of God, um, to start there with it as a good gift, but to also be preparing our children, Lord willing, uh, for marriage one day, but to have this proper view um, of sex. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Often it is it's the thing of which we do not speak. Uh, exactly. In more conservative evangelical circles. 
so John, do elementary age kids really need a book about pornography? Yeah, great, great question. Um, I think they do. That's the short answer. Yes. Um, and really, as I was kind of saying early on, I remember hearing Russell Moore, um, I believe this might've been on his podcast. I'm, I'm kind of forgetting, but he kind of shares a story. I think his son was eight years old and they were driving in the car and his son just kind of said, Hey dad, can a man become a woman? And he just thought, wow, okay, this is my eight year old asking this question. Where did this come from? And I'm kind of entering into this conversation. And so kind of from that anecdote that I heard from him, as well as Walt Mueller, whose uh, ministry is Center for Parent Youth Understanding, that is a, a great ministry uh, for, for churches, just a little plug there. I heard him kind of give a similar talk of, you know, we're going to have to start having some of these uncomfortable conversations at, or at younger ages. And so kind of those two things really kind of, um, just helped reinforce some of my thinking on this, that, you know, the title of the book, Not If, But When, um, these conversations are, are going to happen. I mean, we're going to have to have these conversations. And so let's let's beat the world to the punch, so to speak. Let, let's go ahead and start at an early age. And, and I think the younger we start with our children, um, it takes away some of the awkwardness. And, and I'll just say I've, not that... <laughs> We, we can have a whole nother podcast for all the mistakes I've made in parenting. And I'm not saying this is the, <laughs> the, the, the perfect way to do this, but um, I've got five children and um, three of them are above the age of eight. And at the age of eight, I just entered into this conversation with my children and started to tell them about God's good gift of sex. And um, obviously at the age of eight, you don't get very detailed. It's very elementary. It's very age appropriate. You're allowing them to ask questions that they may have. But I've found that it, that's just allowed me to have easier conversations with my children uh, when they get older. Um, so short answer again, yes, I think we need to be having these conversations with our children at younger ages. And, and kind of the longer answer kind of behind that is we need to beat the world to the punch on this. Um, and it, it kind of takes away some of the awkwardness as well. That's a good word. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. Let, let us who understand God's good gift and present it that way instead of their friend at the lunch table or YouTube or whatever else is out Absolutely. there. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, that's right. By the way, I do want to add uh, for listeners, I definitely uh, want to agree with the recommendation of uh, Walt Mueller uh, and anything at uh, CPYU that he does. So uh, really great yeah. resources there. So and I was actually recommending that to somebody else today. So. Yeah, I've said if I've had yeah nickel for every time I've said CPYU or, or Walt Mueller, um, yeah, I'd be a rich man for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, why do you think we tend to avoid addressing this until the later teen years? Yeah, I, I think some of it, as I said, is you know we've been programmed to think okay, sex is this bad thing, and so we see it as this this bad thing. Um, we've also yeah, you know, speaking as adults, we've been exposed to so many, you know, sexual distortions from, you know, pornography to just uh, television to movies to music. And so we feel like it's it's this bad thing. And then maybe more on the the good side of it is there is an intimacy, obviously, to sex that um, there is this intimacy that, uh, you know, is 
uh, appropriate and, and should be um, accompanying sex. You know, we know there's a proper context for it. And so I think we, we shy away from it because of kind of the sinful distortions of it. But then there's this also kind of intimacy aspect of this should be something kind of secret. And so I think that that's just that's why. And so I do think we as as um, parents, as adults need to kind of rethink, OK, let's reprogram our minds. This isn't a bad thing. Again, this is a, a good thing. And we don't need to be embarrassed to talk about it. And yes, there's an appropriate context and how we, we, we discuss sex. We, we need to, to do it in sensitive ways. Um, but at the same time, we've got to, to rethink because I, I just feel like the, the, the evil one has used that as a ploy to just keep us from talking about this thing uh, that God has, has created as, as good. And so he's, he's used silence in so many ways um, uh, to, you know, as an ally to just increase sexual perversion in the world. Mm. So what can be the dangers um, or the impact of parents avoiding this conversation altogether or just delaying it until the kid's been informed otherwise? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think some of the dangers, one, I'd I'd go back to just, um, you know, as we're preparing our children for marriage, I know some singleness as well. So um, I'm not saying that we're always going to have children that that get married. Um, But I do think there is just, you know, a maturation process to adulthood to understand this good thing properly. And so I think to kind of give just a biblical framework for um, children growing into adults, it's, it's needed. Um, But then also, um, you know, you, you kind of hate to say it, but there's no way to avoid um, worldly images. I mean, our children are going to be exposed to pornographic images. Um, we know as we talk about pornography, there's a spectrum there. There's, you know, something we might label more softcore pornography to hardcore pornography, but our kids are going to see things that, um, are lustful, that are inappropriate. And, uh, again, I, I think we as Christians, we, we need to get ahead of that and prepare our children for that. So uh, when they do encounter those, they know what to do with those, that they are not caught off guard. Again, I've heard, heard so many stories from others, but I've, I've seen this, uh, you know, in my own life and then also in, in ministry of just people being confronted with these images and um, just doing long-term, you know, damage um, from seeing those. And, and so just, again, in my own parenting, I've, I've been uh, just encouraged by having these conversations with my children at, at younger ages and then seeing the Lord use that and some of the fruit coming from that of even when when they may see something um, that's somewhat inappropriate, you know, on a magazine cover, just at the grocery store, they'll come to me with that and say, you know, I saw this and just mm-hmm. wanted to share it with you. So I've, I've seen the fruit of my children kind of initiating some conversation because we've had these prior conversations about this. So um, I think all of those are, are so get at some of the dangers uh, for not having these conversations and then why we should have them. That's good. So. You know, uh, seeing as this uh, book definitely doesn't seem to be one of the kids' books that would be perfect for, you know, a kids' lesson in the whole church uh, before the sermon. Uh, how do you how do you think it would be? A, what do you think would be a good way to introduce this book uh, with children, as well as in general the topic of pornography with our children? 
Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think it's designed for parents to use in the home. I mean, that's, that's the hope of it. Um, and so I, I think, I mean, I know there are some, and, and I guess kind of pre-recording, I shared Timothy Paul Jones uh, being my advisor at uh, Southern Baptist Seminary. And, you know, he was saying that oftentimes parents hear from the church that they are to be the primary disciples of their children, but that they feel that the church fails in giving them resources to properly disciple their children. And so that that's, you know, part of why this resource is, is designed is to put in the parent, hands of parents to sit down with their child and to walk them through, uh, again, a biblical worldview of, of sex, having a, a biblical sexuality that they're teaching their children. Um, then also, you know, getting into uh, the topic of lust and, and some other things there and, you know, moves them on to redemption and restoration, future restoration. But, but that's the hope is that parents can utilize this, this tool in, in the home. That's good. Yeah, I mean, I the more we can put in parents' hands to to give them, to sort of connect the dots, because uh, often if it wasn't done for them, it's not always fully intuitive. So, um, so how? Or excuse me, why would you? Why did you include a boys' version and then a girls' version um, in in the one book? Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, as you said, I mean, it's it's one book, and you. Uh, in the middle, yeah, you know, it's kind of divided. There's a boy's story, there's a girl's story. They're both the same story, but there are some some nuances there. And to go back to Genesis 1, again, as we see Adam and Eve created in God's image, it says God made them male and, and female, uh, that there are these, even though male and female both give off the image of God, that uh, there are these distinctions, there are these differences that, that God has created um, in you know, the human species. And so as we talk about sexuality, there are going to be varying perspectives, different questions, different ways in which we should communicate this biblical sexuality. And so you know, we saw it important as, as, you know, as I was working with a publisher and we started to develop this, we were, we were trying to think, you know what, this might be communicated in, in a slightly different way uh, to a child who's, you know, a boy instead of a, you know, a, a girl. And so there were just some little nuances in how this should be communicated, but then also just uh, the freedom to ask some questions in different ways um, that there's, you know, just um, healthy ways in which, you know, as I'm thinking of, of student ministry, uh, there were different topics that would come up in student ministry where we just saw, okay, it's important to keep students together for this, but then there's also times where we need to divide and kind of allow just the guys to be together or the girls, the girls to be together. Um, so I think it just kind of gets at the, just the way in which, you know, we were created two different genders and uh, the importance for how those perspectives are going to raise different questions. That's, good. That's helpful. And, and I mean, I think everyone recognizes this is a male issue, but there's a lot of statistics out there that show that, female use of pornography is dramatically in the rise as well. Yeah, that's a really good point. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Um, actually, on the local Youth Worker podcast, we had um, Ellen Dykus come on, who works with Harvest USA, and um, she does a lot of counseling with, with females, and she has said just the, the counseling she's doing with females on this issue has been on the rise and and she was actually just kind of with some of her research and experience saying that she thinks these uh this issue is going to level out for males and females and that the the porn industry as we think about you know this is a multi-billion dollar industry they're thinking okay we've got the the market 
pretty cornered on the 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 males um now how can we kind of cater to females and you know you're seeing pornography that's more story driven if we think of the 50 shades of gray novels um that appeal to to females more we would say 50 shades of gray is definitely pornographic um and so yeah, some of those stats are evening out. And so, um, yeah, we as parents need to be preparing not just our boys, but also our girls um, for this, you know, horrible industry uh, that's coming after them. Yeah, it's a good word. word. Yeah. Uh, you know, to move uh, beyond the book, uh, which, again, is a great resource. And I loved, by the way, how you pointed out earlier the importance of, you know, parents don't often know what to do. And I found so often, whether it be this book or another book, some of the best ways to do family ministry is just give somebody a book, you know, <laughs> uh, but uh, some like this. But uh, beyond the book, how should a parent respond when their teen or perhaps their significantly younger child falls into sinful porn consumption? Yeah, no, that's that's a great question. And, and I think the first response should always be a gracious response um, that, you know, it is very easy for us to be alarmed, to be shocked, to react in horror when this happens. Um, but, but I think the, the knee jerk needs to be, thank you so much for telling me. Um, thank you for coming forward and sharing that. I know that's not easy. Um, but, you know, anytime we sin, shame is there. Satan wants us to keep everything in the dark um, because sin grows in the darkness. And as soon as we bring it to light and confess it, um, that, that was a just mighty work of the, of the Spirit. And so to, to affirm that, to welcome the child, uh, to encourage them, to be sure to communicate how much you love them. Um, I just think the overwhelming response needs to just be grace and mm -hmm. thank you and just encouraging the child. Um, because obviously, I mean, you go to the other end, if it's screaming at them and what, I can't believe you did this and that kind of reaction, that's probably not going to encourage the child to come back and share future struggles. Mm -hmm. um, so kind of creating that relational loving response, I, I think needs to be the first and, and maybe you know, that needs to be kind of the only response initially is just thankfulness, grace, and obviously just praying with the child. And then I would say kind of, where do you go from there? Just having an ongoing conversation. I mean, this obviously needs to be an ongoing conversation, but, you know, if a child confesses and, and falls into this, this sin, um, that that's a time to act and to, to be consistent in the, the parenting at that, at that point and to be sure to have kind of ongoing conversations for sure. Yeah. Now I'm curious with that though. Uh, would you react, encourage reacting different, say a situation where a parent maybe finds browser history or, you know, walks in on a child, uh, rather than the child, the child or teen conf uh, confessing it themselves? Now, that's a, that's a really good question. Just kind of nuancing that. Um, yeah, I, I would say, you know, there's, there's going to be a, that's going to be a heavier conversation. Um, I would think there'd be a greater level of grief uh, as the parent is coming. Uh, I mean, for sure, just any parents listening, it needs to be confronted. Um, it doesn't need to just kind of be swept aside. It's, you know, I've definitely heard this from some parents and, and had this conversations with other youth workers that there are some parents that kind of see 
pornography as a rite of passage, as just kind of something, you know, yeah. everyone does, everyone deals with. It's just kind of boys will be boys and they'll kind of go through this. Um, I, I do want to sound the alarm and tell parents this is nothing to take lightly. And this is something that can be extremely serious and detrimental. Um you know, as we get into kind of the mental aspects of pornography and the neuroplasticity of the brain and how it can re- rewire, you know, the brain. Um, so there needs to be confrontation for sure. Uh, I would say maybe being very candid with your child of just the grief and just the, the sorrow. And um, then also talking about some of what I just said, that the long-term effects of what this could do to them. I think of you know, Heath Lambert's book, Finally Free, is an excellent resource on pornography. And I know he shares some stories that are very sobering in that book of just the long-term effects of this. And so I think parents, you know, depending on the age of the child, you've got to educate your child on on the long-term effects of this, especially let's just take the scenario and say it's an 18-year-old that's about to head for college. Um, You need to be very candid in your conversation, uh, maybe graphic in some ways of um, th- this is what could happen here. Um, but I would say in that scenario that you laid out, Anthony, grief over this, concern, giving a sober warning uh, to your child, again, in an age-appropriate way. Um, but those would be some of the, the ways in which I would think would be appropriate to react. That's yeah, helpful. I think that was helpful. Yeah. So, John, how does the local church help play a role in this, in helping kids to to understand this issue and to battle against it? Yeah, um, that's a great question. And it, it seems like, you know, there's so many different ways to come at this. And I know churches are, are structured in, in a lot of different ways. But to me, I mean, as we start with church leadership, I mean, just thinking of pastoral staff, um, to me, there's got to be a unity among the pastoral staff of, okay, this is something we, we've got to talk about in our church. Um, we've got to talk about consistently. Um, if that is, you know, <clears throat> bringing in special speakers uh, twice a year to kind of broach the subject, if it is having Sunday school classes, educating parents on how to have these conversations with their child. I just think there's there's got to be conversation. There's got to be discussion. There's got to be a sounding the alarm. I mean, I, I told parents consistently as I um, was, was at the previous church that I was in, I'd, I'd say I get sick of talking about pornography, but I have to talk about it because it's not going away. And, and I really do think the evil one just wants to wear us down with us and to get us tired of talking about it. And so I think churches just need to continue to bring it to the surface. Maybe that's even just if it's a good article, you know, putting that in the church foyer, if that's putting that in a newsletter, um, an email to parents, just constantly kind of getting that on everyone's radars. Um, and I think another way too, that could be helpful is, you know, obviously as you're preaching through the word, this is going to come up, um, that there's going to be application for this. There's going to be uh, specific ways in which it needs to be addressed. And so not shying away from that. Um, I think, you know, as we, I believe in expository preaching, just 
book by book, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. I think that's how God keeps us honest. We can't skip over the difficult <laughs> things that sometimes his word highlights. And so if it's going to be, you know, a very sensitive application, maybe you warn parents in the bulletin or some kind of communication to say, hey, I'm, I'm going to talk about this, but um, it's important that we do so. And so kind of warning them. But um, I also think back to Ellen Dykus, something that she said that I do think it's important for pastors as they talk about the sin of pornography from the pulpit to not say, men, I know you struggle with this, to say mm -hmm. men and women. We both struggle with this. And um, because as Ellen was sharing, if pastors are just saying this is a male issue and you have females struggling with this in your congregation, that's just an added layer of shame that they now feel mm. that was already there because of pornography. But now they feel like, well, something's wrong with me because this is only a male issue. And so I think in the way that we talk about it as a male and female issue is, is very important as well. So those are just kind of some, some thoughts there uh, that I think could – be helpful ways in which churches um, broach the subject. That's good. That's, that's good. Do you, just to follow up to that, do you see a difference among maybe how different generations would address this, do address this? Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. I would say, you know, the older generations for sure, sex was something you shouldn't talk about in the church. <laughs> and, you know, mm -hmm. that they, they did not see it as the good gift. It was something taboo that we should not talk about. And, and I do get the sense that just from a lot of the literature that's coming out and then, you know, a person like Russell Moore saying, you know, we need to talk about this as a younger age. It does seem like there's kind of been a shift in the church to where, okay, we, we recognize not talking about this issue hasn't made it go away, uh, that we need to start talking about this more. Um, but I, I'd say, you know, there's, there's definitely some differences in the generational ways in which this is discussed. Um, and it seems like younger generations are, are more open to have these conversations. Now, uh, in general, how do you encourage youth ministries? I know Ben uh, does a lot more children's ministries. Uh, I kind of do both, but more youth ministries. So how do you encourage youth ministries or parents of teens to approach this topic? Yeah, that's that's good. I, I think um, something that, that I did that parents seemed to really uh, appreciate was, you know, always having parenting meetings. And so anytime parents were coming into the youth ministry for the first time, I would have a parents meeting and, call, you know, parent orientation, talk to them about the youth ministry, but then also talk to them about some issues um, that are going to come up in the, the teenage years, this always being one of the main issues. And I would try to put literature in their hands, but just raising that awareness again. So kind of finding those times to have those parent meetings to keep this going. I think that's, that's one way to do it. Um, when I was younger in youth ministry, um, I would typically, uh, you know, send out a, a newsletter monthly, uh, to help educate parents on this, this issue. And it was always helpful for me at a young age to say, you know, it, it wasn't me wagging my finger at parents, like, you better do this. It was, hey, parents, here's something Paul David Tripp said about, <laughs> you know, lust and pornography. And so just putting resources before parents from wise people, again, if it's a younger youth worker, hey, this isn't me saying this, but here's somebody who's much older and wiser mm -hmm. than me that's saying this, and I think you could be encouraged by it. So I found that that was helpful to find you know, older people who've lived more life than me who, who could 
speak to that issue. And then also just bringing in special speakers. I mean, throwing out Walt Mueller's name again. I had him come to my church twice. And um, again, he's a grandfather now. So it was good to just have someone older getting before the parents, speaking on these issues. Um, but I, I would say those are some ways to to deal with this issue in, in you know, student ministry, children's ministry, uh, to bring in speakers, to keep resources before your parents. Um, and then also, I mean, to have small group studies on these topics, to tell the parents ahead of time, you know, th- this is what we're planning on discussing and, you know, partner with those parents to make sure you're on the same page, but to also um, be educating our children on this. We, as the church, we've got to be discussing these things. Uh, we, we cannot... Um, you know, have our have our children grow up, go through the church, and never hear about a mm-hmm. biblical sexuality. Um, that, that to properly disciple them, we we've got to be having you know formal education times for this. I like that. So, John, how can people uh, get one of your books or follow the ministries that you're involved in? Uh, yeah. yeah. Thanks for asking. Yeah, so um, as I said, I work for Reformed Youth Ministries. Our website is rym.org. If you go to the resources, that's what I'm over. You'll see the podcast listed there. Um, We also have Bible study material. We give those away for free. We have six 12-week studies that are free for download. Uh, We just want to serve the local church as much as we can, and so uh, we're continuing to add to that catalog of, of Bible studies. Those can be used by parents in the home. They can be used in the church. Um, we also have ministry tools and other things that could, could be helpful. As far as the book, Not If But When, um, this little place called Amazon, if people mm-hmm. haven't heard of that, it's amazon.org or .com. Um, that was a, a bad joke. Uh, you can just go to Amazon and, and, and find it there. Uh, but Christian Focus is... Uh, the publications that, that put that out, and you can go to Christian Focus. Um, I think that's .org, and uh, you can find them there as well. Um, but as far as social media, I'm not on a lot of social media or anything like that. So um, I've kind of stepped back from some of that. So as far as following and all that stuff, uh, you might be able to follow me, but um, I don't check anything. So <laughs> I'm not I'm not the uh, best Twitter follower or anything like that. So just a, a heads up there. Uh, that probably makes you a wise man. <laughs> <laughs> yes, definitely. Wonderful. I don't know about that. I've I've gotten you know it's it's a helpful tool at times, and there are times where I, you know, want to know what's going on, but then other times where I just think you know, um, there's so much going on out there uh, that's yeah I don't know it can be overwhelming at times. So it's helpful to step back for sure. Yes, wonderful. So. Well, thank you uh, for joining us. Uh, I really appreciate, uh, you know, this uh, spring I joined you, you Presbyterians as a Baptist, and uh, <laughs> I, I, we're glad that you as a Presbyterian were able to join us Baptist without even getting wet. <laughs> well, I will say it is raining outside here, so uh, if, 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 if I would have done this podcast outside, I, w- I would have gotten wet. But uh, jokes aside, it, it's encouraging just to see God's kingdom and how big it is and see Baptist brothers, Presbyterian brothers coming together and uh, striving for the gospel, for the kingdom. So it means a lot for you guys to have me on, and, and I appreciate it for sure. Man, thank you, brother. Yes, we're Absolutely. privileged to have you. God bless. Absolutely. Thanks again. Thank you for joining us for this episode of the Theological Family Ministry Podcast. If you have enjoyed this episode, please give us a review on iTunes and share the podcast with your friends on social media. 
All new episodes are available to listen to on Stitcher, SoundCloud, YouTube, Spreaker, and iTunes. We hope you have a great week, and join us again every first and third Thursday.